0: Welcome to the Men of Magic, an interview podcast that gets into the lives of your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. With your host, Robert Martin, and now the Men of Magic begins. Welcome to another episode of the Men of Magic. This week, I'm joined by a player who's had two incredible weekends within a month by winning the Star City Games Invitational in Indianapolis, then flying from there to go to Porto Nagoria and top eating there. I'm with Pat Cox, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Wonderful. When did you start playing Magic?
1: Uh, I started during uh, the first Mirrodin. Well, I guess I played a little bit as a little kid during Revised, but I didn't really know the rules. So as far as, like, actually playing playing Magic, I started during the first Mirrodin and started PTQing, like, during Kamigawa. So.
0: And after playing the first Mirrodin, you still decided to keep playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess I didn't know any better. You said you started PTQing uh, Kamigawa. What were the challenges of that set when you were trying to play in a competitive level?
1: Well, uh, I don't know. Kamigawa was actually, a, I, I guess, again, I didn't really know this because I was pretty new, but a pretty good limited format because the cards weren't super powerful and it was kind of just about, like, bears and stuff. So, you know, there weren't, like, these giant bombs dominating the game like they kind of were now. But, uh, so I guess, I don't know if there are necessarily challenges. I, I feel like I kind of learned, like, on a really good set. Uh, and my first constructed format was... Uh, Block constructed for that So It's kind of I guess sort of easy Since you know It's a Small number of sets And like Yeah I started PTQing During that block season And top 8 a couple of PTQs there So I was like Oh maybe I'll Try and pursue this A little more
0: Is that the moment When you started Top eighting PTQs That you had Your breakthrough moment Uh I guess I probably
1: had two It wasn't really like Top 8 PTQs Cause I probably I did Probably top 8 10 Before I actually uh, Won one Like it was probably Two years Um so, like, when it, when I won one, it was, uh, right after I moved down here to Florida, I, well, I won regionals one week, and then I won a PTQ the next week, and that was for, uh, Pro Tour Berlin, but I was like, well, maybe I'm kind of good, because I just, you know, won two things in a row, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I went to the Pro Tour, and, uh, I didn't do terrible, I, like, made day two, but I, you know, didn't really do anything once I got there, so, after that, I was like, well, maybe I'm not that great, but, uh, I guess the, the, uh, the next time where I sort of felt like, oh, I might be good, is uh, my first Grand Prix top eight, which was uh, last year in Oakland.
0: How difficult was it to make that breakthrough step of top eighting a GP?
1: Um, I, I think it's just a lot of it was playing at a, a higher level for a, kind of a long amount of time. Like uh, I had been going to pretty much all the US Grand Prixs uh, since like mid 2008. Like sen- between like summer 2008 and now, I've probably missed like three US GPs. So I think just playing a lot at that level kind of forced me to get better. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I was certainly surprised the first time it happened. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I, was, I knew I was going to do that. But
0: uh, yeah. Well, after your back-to-back runs here, you're currently 16th in Player of the Year standings with the new updated standings. What is your level goal this year for the Pro Tour?
1: Well, uh, my goal going into this year, because I, I, uh, I had got level four last year, or like mm-hmm. this year slash last year, between like the, the year and a half thing, so I wanted to, I thought I could maybe get level six this year, but, you know, uh, prior to this, like this this little run I've had, I only had like six or seven pro points, so I was kind of, I'd scaled back to go a little bit, to like, all right, let's stay on the train, but, you know, now, now that I... Uh, Got a pretty decent number of points again. I think uh, the goal is level six. You know, if okay. I somehow spike
0: another tournament, then I guess that I could change. But How exciting is it to be this late in the year and when you see the list of players and player of the year and you're in that upper part?
1: I mean, it's pretty cool. I think, uh, also it's even cooler is that, you know, two of my friends are in the, the top three, like uh, Ben Stark and David Sharfman. So, you know, even though I'm 16th in, you know, the world or whatever in pro points right now, I'm, I'm third in Florida, so kind of cool that my friends are doing so well.
0: Well, speaking of Florida, when you're, a lot of people in Florida ha- has lost one of their favorite people with Megan moving to Illinois, because she's an integral part of the magic community, from going to events to, she's been, like, helper to a lot of the people down in Florida. How neat is it to know someone like that, that's such a, I want to say, caretaker of the community, but...
1: I mean, like, Kit and Megan are two of my best friends, so, you know, it's... Obviously, I'm very happy to have met them through Magic, and, like, even though we didn't live too close to each other in Florida, it kind of sucks that they left. You know, I would I would go over... The, like, whenever a new set came out, they would have, like, a draft weekend, so I'd usually go over to Tampa, which is, like, an hour and a half away, and we'd, you know, just draft all weekend, so I kind of missed the ability to do that, for sure.
0: Are her muffins as good as they say they are? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. Okay. I just want to make sure, because, I mean, she talks about bringing them all the time, and, you know, I had her on... Before we actually started the interview process, her and Gerard were like my first two people I tried it with. Right. And talked about how great this food is and stuff like that. And I've yet to be at the same place at the same time to try it myself. So I had to have it from someone who actually has been there. Now, you talked about David a little bit. You're, you're pl- you placed head tested with him for Nagoya. Yes. What is he like as a player to you? What do you think his... Is this someone who could be player of the year? I
1: mean, I, I certainly think he could be. Like, he, you know, he has top, or he's won a Pro Tour and a Grand Prix this year. So mm-hmm. I, I think that certainly says says something, you know. And he's, uh, I, I think he's one of the, like, not necessarily talking about, like, player, but one of the best, like, drafters around. Like, even in that top eight that had, like, you know, LSV in it and, yes. like, you know, Fujita, like, all these great players, I think he was the best actual drafter in that top eight. Like I said that before it happened and I guess he kinda of proved it, so and I mean he's just uh he's very like methodical in his play, you know, like he people catch things that I'm doing wrong that I don't necessarily see. Like there was one time where he was watching me play a match on Moto and my opponent cast uh Bloodwitch and I was about to hit okay and he's like, Whoa, aren't you gonna terminate that anyway? And I'm like, Yeah he's like, Well, why would you like lose the one life? And, like, yeah, it's kind of an obvious thing once I think about it, but I just never really thought that much into it. I was like, who cares? I'll lose one life. But, so he, no problem. Just, he,
0: he's, you know, very good technical play is, is all I was going to say. One of the best drafters in the world down there, and you also talked about Ben Stark, who, by many people's consideration, is the best drafter in the world. So, what you're saying is, is you play test with two out of the three best drafters in the world. Uh, could be. I don't know if they're two. I would certainly consider Ben
1: either the best or like second best it might be Martin. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly where I put uh, Sharfman, but I definitely put him pretty high.
0: That's got to be a lot of fun for you because Ben doesn't attend all the tournaments. I mean, he, you know, he has other things that he does that keeps him busy. To be able to play tests with people like that of that quality, how much has that helped your game?
1: I mean, just even just talking about Magic with Ben helps a lot. I mean, I've, I've known him probably about two years now. Like like I said, I started, you know, I during the first Mirrodin, which was when he was having his original Pro Tour success. So, like, I didn't really pay attention to the Pro Tour at that point because I was brand new. So I didn't, I didn't know who he was when I first met him. Didn't know it was this, you know, guy who had already topped two Pro Tours and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, he he started playing again kind of when I started getting good. So, you know, we, we started hanging out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's very good just in general. Like, usually for, for GPs, we'll, like, play the same Constructed deck and talk about Constructed and stuff. It's a little awkward with, like, we can't do it for Pro Tours because to of Channel Fireball, because, like, he works with them and I don't. But, uh, you know, he's always willing to still talk to me about the format and everything, and, like, definitely limited, you know. I He teaches us basically every format. Like, I think Channel Fireball guys have said this, too. Like, for San Juan, he just, like, he knew how to draft that format better than anyone, you know, told us what to do. Like, I had a 3-0 my draft to make Day 2 of that Pro Tour, and I just, like... Remembered all these things he had been telling me for the whole week, and just like threw it fairly easily just by drafting like he told
0: me to. So, isn't it? Isn't that one of the exceptional things that people like yourself have that when they ascend to this level, to be able to have access to these resources? And by I mean resources, I mean players to help you even improve more. I mean, sure. I think I've
1: uh, I've been kind of lucky that. A lot of my friends have gotten on the train, like, basically at the exact same time as me. You know, like, I got on the train at the end of last year. Uh, my friend Orrin Beasley, like, got second in GP this year, and now he's on the train. Uh, Billy Postlewit, Billy P, he's getting on the train this year. Sharpen just got on the train last year. So, like, you know, a lot of my friends that I was hanging out and playing with anyway have, like, gotten on the train now, so, like, we can all prepare for tournaments together. You know, like, you know, if only one of us is, like, queued for something, we're probably not going to care that much about, like, testing. But, you know, if all of us are, Cute, and like you know, we're going to be talking about it a lot, and going early
0: to test, and just yeah, it's very helpful in, in that regard. Well, you talk about preparation and stuff like that. How many hours a week? You obviously you have you you have a full time job. Um, yes. You're a mechanical engineer. Yep. How many hours a week, besides your job, do you have time to test for magic?
1: Uh, to be honest, I don't really play that much Magic when when I'm not preparing for tournaments. Like, say a tournament's coming up, you know, like Nationals is coming up, like, the few weeks before that I'll probably, you know, play the format on Moto, you know, for a couple hours a night or whatever. But, like, I don't really, I don't know, I don't really play Moto for fun. Like, drafting irrelevant formats doesn't really do it for me, I guess. So, uh but definitely that's something, I, something I've kind of, like, thought about, and, like, I probably need to play more Magic. Like, I feel like... I've gotten a little lucky to have the success I've had, like, without playing as much as, like, people at this level. So, uh, you know, like, Megan keeps, like, kind of complaining to me about that. Like, oh, you should be playing moto right now. Like, you gotta <laughs> got to play more. So, you know, whenever I see her online, it's kind of what she tells me. But I-, I think it's probably true. Like, I, I don't want to, like, just rest on my laurels here. Like, I want to keep getting better, and I want to, like, make sure I'm actually prepared for tournaments. Like, uh, the last tournament I played in before this run of tournaments, like, there were four tournaments in a row last month was uh, the Star City Orlando Open. And I made, like, several play mistakes there and just because I hadn't played Magic in probably three weeks before that. But, you know, I think part of why I did so well, like, obviously there was luck involved, too, but recently it was just that, like, I was i had been playing Magic all month, like, constantly. So I feel like I'm a lot, a lot sharper when I, I get to play a lot, so.
0: The advantages of playing, like you said, a lot, <clears throat> I mean, obviously it reflects, I mean, obviously in your run, you talked about competing at nationals. Is it, would it be something special to make the U.S. team?
1: Uh, yeah, I've actually said before, like I don't necessarily care about winning nationals. Like that would be cool, but I think it would be just basically as cool to be on the the team. Like I, I would really like to be on the national team. Uh, so I think be my fourth time competing in that, and the first year I lost playing for top eight, so that was kind of disappointing. And then the other two times I've just done terrible, so. If I could make the team this year, that would be pretty cool.
0: Are you concerned about the fact with Worlds having, if you make the team, are you concerned about Worlds and the additional matches you have to play with that?
1: Uh, Not really. I would for sure Shotgun Legacy and just play Zoo. Like, that's a deck I know better than anyone else right now, I think. So I I don't think I would have to do a lot of extra testing to do that, I guess. It kind of depends on how well my teammates knew their formats. I might have to help them with those, but I I don't really know how much testing typically goes into that. Like, I was, you know, I was with the channel fireball guys at Worlds last year, and it didn't seem like uh, Raptor was doing all that much for Worlds, but, you know, maybe he was, and I just didn't see it, or maybe he did beforehand, so. Okay. Sorry, for the team portion of Worlds. Obviously, he was doing stuff for the uh, individual portion.
0: Yes. Now, what are your plans for the rest of the year on the circuit? Now, you said that. You know, obviously, you're going to go to Worlds, you're going to go to Nationals. What is your plan for the rest of the year as far as GPs and Pro Tours?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I'm obviously going to I'm going to, to all the domestic GPs okay. and I'm going to Philly. And uh, I'll also go to, I think it's Montreal, whatever the one is in Canada.
0: Oh, you're going to GP and, Montreal. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, last time I went to Canada for a GP, I top-aided, so I figured
0: uh, we'll, we'll give it another whirl. But, oh, uh, you were at Toronto. Yeah, and that was, ironically, <laughs> to kind of put the Wayback Machine on, uh, that was the same tournament that this whole podcast interview thing started, because I went there to compete, and I was, end of day one, I'm five 2 I'm sitting right next to Rich Hagen. Both of us need to win to make day two, and of course, well, you know Rich, he... He made it happen, and I ran into a guy who pulled Koth on turn 4-2 games. So, But it was great because that led to the fact of this interview thing, so it's kind of interesting to see how our past kind of crossed because that was at a top eight for you in Canada, and then also led to this on Interesting fact I just wanted to bring up. Um, you're a premium writer for Star City Games.
1: Uh, yes, kind of. I, I've written uh, three articles so far, but...
0: What are the challenges of writing articles? I, I ask that question to everyone who writes articles because article writing isn't exactly the easiest thing to do.
1: Well, so far I've only I've written just uh, the tournament reports and I think those were relatively easy. You know, like I kind of like writing anyway. Uh, like I, I've written like articles on engineering and stuff. So like having a topic, it was kind of easy. But uh, I talked to Steve Saden, who's the editor, and like you know we kind of agreed like. I should maybe write another, like, an article a month from now on, or at least for a little while, cause, just because of my job and stuff. But uh I'm kind of I mean, having a hard time coming up with even one article, <laughs> like, what to what to write about. I think I could start writing once I figured it out. But, like, yeah, it's it's pretty difficult to figure out what to write about. Because, I, like, I just feel like a lot of articles, like, not I'm not going to name any names or anything, but, you know, like, aren't really that useful. Like, you know, because you, people, like, have to write every week, and they're just kind of writing for the sake of writing a lot of times. And, like... You know, I don't really think I'm going to have some masterpiece or anything, but I want to have something that's like at least useful to people because it's not like it's really an important source of income for me. It's something I'm kind of just doing because like, it's interesting to me and I would like to help people get better at magic.
0: So, Well, you talked about feeling very comfortable at Zoo and Legacy and with how popular Legacy is. I think presenting your case for Zoo might not be a bad article to write because a lot of people with Legacy, there's it's such a wide open format and to give in depth article on why Zoo works against this matchup and how it, you know, works out best might not be the worst way to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I like did that somewhat in, uh, like the legacy portion of my invitational report. Like, I didn't really, it wasn't really a Zoo article per se, but I did kind of like go over card choices and like the matchups and stuff. So I don't, I don't know if that's kind of like, uh, you know, retreading the same path or whatever, but that's certainly something to think about. Like, I, I told Steve if they, if they, uh, ever made modern a real format i would definitely be writing an article about zoo and modern but uh that is yet to happen i I was pretty upset when they changed extended from old extended to whatever this new thing is that's like standard of this year versus standard of last year because like i had already figured out like oh i can play zoo for three more years sweet i you know but oh well does the expansion
0: of modern help zoo even more i mean
1: uh yeah i mean if like, certainly versus, like, old Extended. And versus, I mean, in New Extended, like, Zoo's not even a deck because you don't have the dual lands. But, yeah, like, if Modern were to become a format, Zoo would basically be the same deck it is in Legacy, just with different lands, now that, like, your Mob has has been reprinted. And, like, obviously it kind of, you know, it's like, even if it's almost the same deck, it sort of depends on the metagame, how good it is. So I don't really know what combo decks and stuff are viable in Modern. But I would certainly be more interested to be playing that than, uh... Like, extended at Philly. Like, if they were to change Philly to modern, I would be ecstatic. Like, that just seems a lot more interesting. So.
0: Well, they talked about the mass expansion of the GPs. And I've had a couple of thoughts on it. Uh, LSV said that what he thinks is going to happen is the same weekend, we'll use an example of uh, GP Philadelphia. There may be GP Singapore or and GP... GP Madrid, every area would have their own GP on the same weekend potentially, which would offer more players to do that kind of tournament. Would that be something that would be more enticing for you because there might be more GPs domestically? Yeah,
1: certainly. I mean, as it is right now, there's not all that many GPs every year, like in North America, like six or seven, so it's pretty easy to go to all of them. I mean, I think it would be a good problem to have to not be able to go to all of them. Like if I had a I would still try to go to all of them, but if there was like, so many I had to pick and choose, like that that would be great. Like I, I want to play as much magic as possible. So yeah, I mean, I can't really reasonably, uh, travel to, you know, Europe or, uh, to Asia for a GP. Like first of all, it's not very cost effective. And second of all, like just the, the time, time zone changes and stuff just takes way too long. I mean, Ben and I had actually talked about going to, uh, there's a GP in Chile this year just cause it's like same time zones more or less, you know, US type time zones. So
0: like, we're not going to lose days going there, but I kind of haven't decided on that yet. An interesting trip, uh, but at least if you went with Ben, he would make it a lot of fun. A lot of the guys on the tour from going to different events. It seems like you guys have this great camaraderie with each other. What, what makes the dynamic of Magic players interacting with each other so special?
1: I mean, I don't know about like Magic players specifically. I know it's just like it's kind of cool that you can have these friends all over the place and still like see them regularly, you know, like... Oren's one of my best friends, and he lives in North Carolina, but I still get to see him, like, once a month or something because of Magic. And, I mean, as far as, like, why Magic players get along so well with each other, I don't really know. I mean, I guess it's common interest, and a lot of them are kind of, like, competitive and into gambling and stuff, so that could be part of it, too. But, you know, credit card games and, oh, we got (laughs) to flip for this or that or whatever. I mean, Ben's pretty bad about it. It's like I, I spent the entire time in Japan, like, not last time but the time before that with him, yeah. And, like, literally everywhere we went everything we bought, he's like, we've got to flip a coin to see who buys this. Like, subway tickets, like, drinks at the, you know, community part, <laughs> whatever. It's like, there's really no reason for any of this. Let's we'll just buy our stuff.
0: <laughs> You're a mechanical engineer. How does being mechanical, your designs and stuff like that, how does that affect how you play Magic?
1: Um, well, I mean, I guess, like, they both have a, a fair bit of, like, you know, analysis and, like, being methodical involved. I don't know that they're necessarily too related, because, I mean, while I do know a lot of complex math, it's not like magic math is really that complicated. But, uh, I don't know. I Like, I guess I don't really see them as being too related, and are kind of just like, there's this part of my life, and there's this other part of my life. So
0: What is the most challenging
1: format for you to play? Uh, probably block, just because, like, even though it's the smallest format, it's not really played outside of Pro Tours anymore, so, you know, say we're playing standard at, uh, at Paris, like, that format was new, but not completely new. There was already pre-existing decks, and you kind of knew what was going on. Like, yeah, we, re- we really didn't know about Cobblade, or most of us didn't anyway. But, like, we knew in general what was going on in the format. Whereas something like, you know, Nagoya, we, none of us really had any idea what was going on. So, I mean, I guess we kind of figured it out, like my group. But in general, we like, up until, like, two days before the tournament, we didn't know what was going on. So it's, it's pretty hard to prepare for.
0: So your feelings on the last... Six months of the Cobblade menace.
1: Um, I mean, I don't think it was... I don't know. Like, I never actually piloted Cobblade. Like, uh, I kept playing Valakut for a while. That turned out to be a bad idea. Then I started playing Rug, and I thought Rug had a pretty decent matchup against Cobblade. So, I don't know. I I felt like people maybe could have tried a little harder to play other decks and still done well with them. But I certainly completely agree that Cobblade was the best deck. Like, my main reason not for playing it was just... Or for not playing it was just that, like... I know I can play a little bit slow in Control Mirrors, and I wasn't trying to get draws playing a bunch of Cobblade Mirrors. But, uh, I don't know. I I don't think it was necessarily all that good for Magic for that deck to be that dominant. Like, I I don't at all disagree with the bannings, so.
0: How excited are you now with a wide-open format? Uh,
1: I mean, it's it's definitely cool to not have to be like, well, can this deck be Cobblade? Well, we can't play it then. But, uh... It, at the same time, it is, it is a little daunting because it's almost like a completely new format even though it's standard. it's been around for a while. So, you know, figuring out stuff for Nationals could be a little hard. Luckily, there are, uh, I think, two Star City events for them. So I'm assuming people kind of shaped the metag- metagame a little bit for us.
0: But Now, with M12 coming out, what has changed in your mind with M12 as far as how it's affected your decks? Your decks? Well, uh
1: i mean i think uh I think red was already pretty good like i I've, I've been playing standard a little bit on moto and I lose to red a fair bit and like it's certainly gotten a lot better like grimma is a pretty awesome card so uh i I don't know uh I'm not really sure if it's like creating any other decks like brand new decks i guess we'll we'll find out what people do with these star city things but uh i don't know i think I guess the main thing is grimmaud mancer like and and solemn is probably pretty good in bacott like i think LSV had posted a some, like, deck videos where he was trying it out, and, like, I would definitely, like, try that out, too. It seems like it could be good, so.
0: So would you lean to go back to playing Valakut, or a red deck wins? I'm just curious.
1: I think I'm leaning towards Valakut right now, but I'll I'll try and kind of let results guide me instead of just being stubborn and playing Valakut for the sake of playing it. Probably, probably whatever Sharpen and Billy P decide that we should play, I'll play because they're usually right. So,
0: uh, explain to people who are listening right now that are trying to get themselves up to a level to be in a Grand Prix, how difficult it really is once you make it there, and to top eight a Pro Tour event. How-
1: um, well, I mean, top eight a Pro Tour is pretty damn hard. I don't know. Like, I was <laughs> not a, uh, I was not expecting to do it this soon, if ever. Like, you know, this, like I said, this is. I know I've been on the train, I guess, about a year now, and, uh, there's only, that was only my fifth Pro Tour, and the other four I had not even cashed. I think I just, like, top 200, all of them, like, you know, which is one pro point more than the minimum you get. It's not, not good at all. So, uh, yeah, I, like, my goal going into that Pro Tour was like, a top 50. I thought that was, like, a pretty reasonable goal, you know, like, hope I finally cash Pro Tour and do okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, top 80, uh, certainly, pretty hard to do and i'm I'm pretty excited to to have done it so quickly and i know who knows we'll do it again but i hope so
0: what is it like being on that stage when for the top eight when you have all the cameras and rashad and all those other people out there doing the stuff for the matches and the big cameras what is it like to be there at that moment
1: i mean it's it's pretty cool like i I don't know i think uh if if that was like the first thing i ever top eight i might have been pretty nervous uh luckily like you know, I just top 8 of the Star City thing a week before, and I top 8 a couple of GPs before, so, like, you know, it certainly wasn't like, oh, this is old hat or anything, but, like, I, I, was, I was comfortable, you know?
0: And when you were playing in the top 8, who was there watching you play?
1: Uh, actually, no one, really, because, like, the way the, the feature match area is set up, like, the I was the farthest away table, so, like, the spectator, like, rope was, you know, 40 feet away or something, so no one could really see my match. I think Kenji was watching for, like, writing down, like, Japanese coverage. I was the
0: only person around, really. Do you agree or disagree with Wizards changing the Pro Tour policy of allowing people to be there for the event?
1: Um, I don't know. I don't really, like, have, I guess, that strong opinion on it because, like, I'm going either way. But, I mean, I I had gone to, to one Pro Tour prior to, like, being on the Pro Tour. I mean, it was still pretty fun. Like, there's... You know, between the LLCQ and just, like, actual PTQs, like, there's probably three or four PTQs in the weekend you can play in. It seems like there's, like, a lot of stuff that you can do at the Pro Tour if you're not playing in the Pro Tour. And, like, I don't know, like, it can be pretty fun even without that, just, like, the spectacle. And I think it's probably, I I would think it would be cool for people to get to see, like, you know, people playing at that level. So, I mean, I know, like, another thing that kind of sucks is that, like, you know, Kit and Megan sometimes go to, like, domestic Pro Tours, and, like, obviously they're not going to go if, like... They're closed now. I mean, hopefully get queues for one very soon, but barring that, they probably will not be showing up for tour tours that are not allowed to go into. So
0: You're on the inside of it now, but for those of us on the outside, the coverage is minimal uh, until you get to the top eight. Do you think it should be more like the Star City format where we're seeing round three matches, which any round of Pro Tour, there are endless feature matches that you could pick from. They should be doing, instead of waiting until the final top eight to do coverage. Should they be doing coverage earlier?
1: Yes, absolutely. Like, I, I feel like I'm far more known for the Star City thing, and even for, like, top eighting a Star City thing, like, than I was for top eighting GPs, you know, and, like, nothing against the Star City Opens, but top eighting a GP is a much larger accomplishment. But just, like, they're not covered in the same way. So, like, you know, if people, like, get to watch this every week, they're, you know, this is what's on their mind. And like I would think Wizards would want that also. You know, like the the Star City coverage is awesome. Like I mean when I have nothing to do on the weekend, you know, like I'm sitting around cleaning my apartment, I, I sit and watch you know, GGS Live, or I guess S C G Live it's called now. But uh yeah, I, I definitely would like the Pro Tour to be like that. You know, like there are times where there's foreign GPs going on. I was like I would just I would like to, you know, watch Martin playing right now or something, but I can't because their coverage is just like a write up three hours later.
0: Top five players right now in the world, according to you? Um,
1: I mean, I don't know if I, like, want to give, like, an exact order, but, like, as far as just in, in no order, I would probably no say uh, Martin Juza, uh, PV, LSV, Ben Stark, and I don't know. I don't know who the fifth is. Like, there's probably quite a few people that could be there. Uh, it might be one of the Japanese guys, maybe, like, Shuhei or Yuya. I mean, they're, they're high levels consistently, but... I've only played each of them once, so I can't necessarily speak that well to their ability, like like watching them play, play, you know. I so, you know.
0: love the way Juza plays. I just think that he's his mind for Magic is just ridiculously phenomenal. In your opinion, what is what is the best thing about playing with Juzza or working with Juzza? Uh,
1: I mean, the only time I've really, like, worked with him, I guess, a little bit was, like, at, at Worlds last year. You know, like, we're friends. You know, he stayed with me in, uh, in Paris for a couple days, but, like, I don't, like, I don't necessarily test with him very much. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I have money draft against him and I've played against him in tournaments, but, uh, I don't know. He's just,
0: he's ridiculously good. I don't really know what else to say besides that, but. How much fun is it to do the three on three matches, the drafting matches?
1: I mean, that's, that's really the only kind of magic I like to do, uh, casually. So, like, I'm not really into, like, commander and cube draft or anything like that, but yeah, three-on-three three drafts are pretty fun. Like, I, you know, it still, like, feels very competitive. Like, regardless of whether or not you're playing for money, just because, like, you know, you don't want to let your friends down and, like, you know, you're kind of, like, talking smack to the other team and stuff. I don't know. It's it's very entertaining. you're
0: other two players, if you could put a 3v3 team together. Uh,
1: well, for sure, Ben Stark.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people would be battling you for Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably uh David Jarfman for the other one. Back in the day, they used to have team-format tournaments, three-man team tournaments. Yep. They expanded one of the mythical rumors they've talked about is potentially bringing that back how much fun would that be for you as a player to play a three-man team format in a tournament instead of just you as individual
1: i mean i would certainly love that like they they had those even at the ptq level when i first started playing and you know like i went to some some team limited ptqs and also some like team unified constructed which i thought was really interesting format so you know it's pretty cool just to like get to you know play with your friends, like, the entire day as opposed to just talking them between rounds. I mean, so I would certainly be up for that. I would, you know, I think they could at least add, like, one GP for it or something, and I'm sure the GP would have very high attendance because I know those PTPs always did, so.
0: Can you imagine some of the battles that you've had with those 3v3 drafts but expanded to a tournament situation? Yeah, I mean, you know, there, if there is,
1: like, You know, three guys from Channel Fireball playing as three guys from Channel Fireball. I'm sure everyone in the room who wasn't
0: playing their own match would be standing around watching it. Like it's an interesting dynamic when it comes to watching you guys at the tournaments in between rounds. Intense talk about magic. You guys are having fun, maybe discussing a little magic, but kinda almost discussing things outside of magic. Why is that?
1: Well, I mean, like I said, you know, you you have a lot of friends that you don't necessarily live near. I mean, even my friends in Florida like you know, Ben lives an hour and a half away, like, Billy and Sharpen live an hour away, so, like, I don't necessarily see them that much, so if I get to see them, we're, you know, probably going to be talking about basically everything, just kind of hanging out, you know, not necessarily about magic, like, the only time it really gets a little tense is, like, if you're very close to making top eight, or, like, you know, like, oh, I got to win this next match, like, how should I be sideboarding, because, you know, they know what the guy's playing, or whatever, but, like, if it's just, like, in the middle of the tournament, you know, there's no real expectations yet, then, yeah, you're kind of just hanging out and having fun.
0: What do you do outside of Magic for fun? Um,
1: I mean, honestly, not that much anymore. It's pretty time-consuming. Like, I, I go to the gym as much as I can, and, like, I do, like, some outdoorsy stuff, you know, like uh, like kayaking, disc golf, that kind of thing. But, uh, I don't know, Magic seems to take up a lot of time at this point with all the, uh, the traveling and trying to at least prepare a little bit, so.
0: We've been having lots of discussions on Twitter about players that play other games outside of Magic. Chess has been brought up, and by Apollo Bridge. What other thinking game do you play?
1: Well, actually, I do play uh, some board games with my friends. Like, it hasn't gone on in a while, but we used to do it about once a week. So, you know, you know, games like, uh, like Power Grid and Agricola and Puerto Rico, that kind of thing. Like, I really like those games. And, like, while, while I can't really play, like, Magic casually just because I kind of feel like I, like, I can't really turn it off like being competitive at it. Like those games I like you know, I don't really care about being competitive at so like they they can just be fun and be like interesting puzzles to solve sort of thing. So
0: Grid is considered one of the most challenging games out there based on strategy. When you said you play for casually for fun, how hard is it to turn off your natural competitiveness considering the way that game is played? Uh, I mean,
1: I'm I'm still like pretty competitive at it, but I'm more, i more mean. It's just like I you know I don't really care that much about win or lose, but certainly as as my friends are taking their turns and stuff, I will still be talking smack to them and stuff. It's kind of just how I am.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> have you had an embarrassing moment at a GP or a Pro Tour? Something that you you just that you did that you thought, oh man, that shouldn't have happened, or somebody saw that happen, or something like that. Um.
1: Like off the top of my head, I can't necessarily think of ones that GPs or pro tours, but the one that definitely stands out was at the, uh, like Star City, uh, Open in Orlando. Like during the, the legacy portion, like, like the guy, the coverage guy there, Glenn Jones is like a friend of mine from mm-hmm. Florida. And I was just, you know, I was like, Glenn, I don't really know how long I'm going to be in this tournament because I haven't played in a while. So you should cover me as fast as you can. And he's like, all right, well, I'll put you on camera around one. So, uh, I, I'm, you know, win game one and, Lose game two in a fa- fairly normal fashion. Like, I was playing zoo, and the guy was playing, uh, like, Stifle Knot. And then game three, he, like, resolves Dreadnought, and, like, I pass it, and then he has the Force of Will, and I look at my hand, and I'm like, I had a Teague in my hand. I probably should have cast that first so he can cast this Force of Will. Like, just, like, completely obvious play that I-, I don't even have an excuse for why I missed it, but it was pretty embarrassing to do that, like, on camera. Like I had several people text me right afterwards like, yeah, nice punt. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, the only reason why I say that is is some of the harshest critics out there for how you play can text you and joke you about that, but there's no harder critic I've seen of anyone play Magic than themselves.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I certainly get very mad at myself when I lose. Like, uh, you know, at, at the last GP at uh, Kansas City, like, I definitely punted a game and therefore a match because it was game three on day one. And I still made day two, and like you know, even as I'm drafting in day two, I'm still like I'm still just mad at myself about that. <laughs> like it's completely irrelevant anymore, but you know, yeah, I it, it definitely makes me mad when I like make an obvious mistake and or even a not not obvious one. Like I mean, because I don't know. I think most of our goal is to keep getting better at the game and you know play to the best of our
0: ability. So have you drafted any M12 yet?
1: Uh, no. Actually, I went to my local store to draft, and I was the only person there for the pre-release. I was pretty shocked. Wow. So I ended up uh, driving about an hour away to uh, where Antonio de Rosa lives in uh, Port St. Lucie, mm-hmm. and we did a sealed there. So I've done a sealed, but I haven't done a draft yet. Hopefully, I'll be drafting some this weekend. But
0: Okay, then let's do your thoughts on sealed for M12.
1: Um, I mean, it doesn't really seem drastically different from... M11. If anything, I think it probably seems worse. Like, I don't really understand why they gave us back Overrun. Like, it's just kind of like an oops, I win kind of card. Uh, Like, I think the the rare version they did, Overwhelming Stampede or whatever, was okay, because it was rare. But now it's like, if you see someone's in green, you know they have Overrun and, like, you have to, like, put cards in your deck you wouldn't necessarily put in, like, Fog and Safe Passage and stuff, just to play around Overrun. Like, so, I don't really like that part. And also, just, like, I guess the I think what's good about Corset is that all the cards are, like, kind of vanilla. Like, all the, like, commons. So, combat is sort of, you know... Or combat's kind of what it's all about. Like, you know, you just have these vanilla creatures running into each other, and, like, I think that's, like, the more complex part of Limited. is basically just figuring out combat, when to block, when to not block, all that stuff. So, like, I like that part of it. But then they have these, like, really bombish uncommons and rares that kind of, like, imbalance things because of how, like, vanilla the rest of the cards are. So there's not, like, a lot of, like... Synergy You can't just make a deck Like that's all like Commons and random Uncommons It's just about synergy It's kind of just like Having these like Very powerful bombs And that's sort of What I dislike about Corset Like it's certainly Better than it used to be Before it had the You know the M10 M11 M12 But I still would Rather not be playing It at competitive events
0: You brought up Overrun And one of my Fellow podcasters That does Limited resources Which is By far the best Podcast on Limited Drafting sealed, You name it They just did their three-hour extravaganza, as I like to call it, by just going through commons and uncommons in the set. And the two cards that drove the host nuts, Overrun and Fog. Overrun because he says it's ridiculous. When you started talking about as soon as he drops a green, the I'm and Trouble flag comes up, I swore you listened to the tape and said it word for word for what he was saying. It's phenomenal how... Dangerous that overrun card is, and to have yourself and then Marshall say that it's it. I did seal myself at the pre release, and lo and behold, once green came out, yep, it was overrun. And it just shows you how phenomenal that card is in a limited seal format. I mean, yeah, I put play, I played green in my seal pool, and it was because I had
1: overrun. Like, I don't know how I don't think many of my opponents are green. I know. At least one, the one I could think of that was green also had overrun. I mean, here's how it actually a game went. I cast overrun, the guy fogged, and then he untapped to cast overrun and killed me. <laughs> like, that's not interesting. That's just stupid.
0: Where's the skill in that? Yeah, exactly. You guys are playing at the top level. I mean, Grand Prix Denver is a perfect example of how to play in the most difficult of formats. You know, sealed, you name it, da And there are... The only card there that seemed to be the impact one was uh, the green five and a green that Ben was in love with. The one that uh, if an artifact dies, you gain five life. And I forget yeah, the I name. and yeah. Yes, that was in most people's opinion the bomb to have. Yeah, I mean that, that's like that's like a mythic common. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that card is very good. <laughs> and you just think about it, and when I heard someone say they first picked that in the draft I stared at it like you first picked that and he goes you don't understand how swingy this is I forgot who it was and I went over I left the coverage booth and I went over and watched him and all suddenly he was at like six life and popped off two ways to destroy artifact creatures and poof he was back up to 16 and was over
1: I mean yeah that, that card is uh, is very good I had a game in uh, the last limited GP in, uh, in Kansas City against Sam Black where uh I had that in play, and we were kind of just both doing nothing, but like I was gaining life, or repeatedly, I was probably at like 45 to 50 life, <laughs> and he uh, he sacks Strianoble Legions for like 10 guys, and he has like the Mirror Lord guy that gives him all plus one plus one, and he has a battle cry guy, so he attacks me for like close to 40 in one turn, but I like happen to have like the bolt to kill the the Lord, so like I end up like winning this game, and it's like ridiculous, you know, like he's attacking me for. 40 in one turn, even after that, it still attacked me for, like, 20-something. And I still managed to, to win just because I had already gained, you know, 30 life off this one card. So,
0: yeah, it's pretty good. How much do you look ahead at future sets? They're, you know, they're obviously slowly leaking cards from Innistrad. How much have you been paying attention to that?
1: I mean, honestly, I haven't seen anything from Innistrad yet. I didn't even know things were released yet, so... Uh I guess g- not too closely. Like th- the first time I looked at the uh, the M12 spoiler, besides like cards people told me about, like Grimlock Master and like Solomon's Mokrum was uh, right before the pre-release. So, you know, if, if something's like really awesome, I assume people are going to tell me about it. Otherwise, if it's just like I'm looking at limited tricks and stuff, I'll just look at that before I actually play.
0: Okay, I was just curious because uh, they're talking about this being a graveyard potentially dredge set, and with the fact of Legacy, one of the one of the better decks is Dredge. I was just wondering if you think there could be more than just one or two cards that might fit into Legacy.
1: I mean, it, it's certainly possible. I don't know. I think it's... I think anytime they have graveyard stuff, it's a little bit dangerous. Like, you know, I... I, I don't think Dredge is, like, a reasonable deck. Because, I mean, it was even good, like, you know, outside of Legacy. It was good in Old Extended. It's just, like, that you can, like, effectively draw that many cards a turn and you know, basically use your graveyard as your hand. It's like, I just I feel like that's not really necessarily how Magic's intended to be played. So, I mean, I'm sure they've, they've learned stuff and will hopefully have things okay here. But it,
0: it definitely worries me when I hear, like, graveyard set, you know. Figured you would be the perfect person to ask because of the way you just had talked about it previously. So it's, it's interesting to get the opinion of someone who's out there, what they actually think of it. What are, before we wrap this up, because we're right about the point... Where, where I want to wrap it up. Where can people reach you?
1: Um, I guess they can uh, send me a message on Facebook. You know, I uh, I'll, I'll respond if there's you know anything they they want me to talk about.
0: But you haven't jumped onto the Twitter bandwagon yet?
1: No, I, I don't have Twitter. Megan keeps telling me to get it, but I don't know. Not not necessarily interested. I don't, I don't. Like I can't even have internet at my job, so I don't know when I would really update it. Like I just I don't know what I would do with it.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. It, one of the fun things about doing these is being able to gather insights from a whole, a whole bunch of different angles and a whole bunch of different people. And you're in a unique position right now that you made your doing Star City events than GP success. Yes. How much fun is it now that people now say you're now Pro Tour Top 8 player and Star City Games Invitational Champ? You now have the best of both worlds put together.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly pretty awesome. You know, like, obviously I was ecstatic to have won the Star City thing, but I I was a little like, man, people already didn't really know me from my my pro tour type stuff, so they'll certainly not know me now. But, you know, a week later I was like, oh, well, I guess they'll probably know about this too. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty neat to kind of be known for, for both circuits or
0: whatever at this point. It's going to be an interesting run. You're in position right now where anything you do, you never know. Sure, the list of people that are between you and number one is a, a who's who of magic. You've got some, you got another pro tour coming up with a lot of points there, another back-to-back weekend with that, and then San Diego and making nationals gets you more points. What happens at the end of the year if we're sitting there going, your top? eight, what is that going to be like at the end of the year, sit there and stare at yourself at the standings and going, I'm in the top eight?
1: Like, at the top eight of the player of the year standings, you mean? Or, like, I mean, that that would be great. I, I guess I, I don't know. Like, I don't really necessarily have that as a goal right now. Like, that would be something that would be awesome to happen. But, like, like I said, like, I didn't even think I was going to be top eight in Pro Tour this soon. So I don't I don't feel like I'm, like, going to be leading the player of the year race either. But, uh, you know, if it happened, I would be ecstatic. But I'm not, uh, not really shooting for it or necessarily, like, thinking ahead towards that, I'm more like, you know, I hope I top eight the next event, and, like, we'll, we'll kind of go from there, so.
0: Just get Ben to take more tournaments off.
1: I mean, he, he, I, I cannot believe he skipped a, a USGP this year. He did not go to GP Dallas, despite my trying to convince him for about 20 minutes, so. Hey. Hopefully he goes, I, I, I mean, I want Ben to be Player of the Year. No offense to Sharfman, but I think Ben deserves to be Player of the Year, so. Hopefully he you know keeps going in tournaments
0: and keeps doing well. Interesting thing, like I said, with you guys in Florida, how the the wealth of talent down there. Besides the three of you, the other players that are just ascending up the ranks from there and what you don't understand is that the level of players you're seeing now, there's like another whole circuit of them below that are ready to make that next step up. So what is it down there with you guys? Is it the water, is it you know being close to the ocean? I'm curious
1: Yeah I don't know I mean I know As far as like Being good at limited I think we Draft a whole lot Down here Like I mean I I can't really say At other Like PTQs and stuff But I know with PTQs Here you know There's always multiple Like three on three drafts Going on in the middle Of the tournament and stuff So I think as far as Like being good at limited I think it's just I think people play a lot here as far as like being good in general, I don't, I don't really know. I guess it's I guess it's a pretty big state, so maybe that helps us a little bit. But you keep
0: up the phenomenal work, and obviously, with this run this year, I don't think there are people who are not going to know who you are now. Now it's a matter of trying to convince you to have have Megan keep convincing you to do more testing and do more playing, and the sky's the limit. I mean, nobody, there is no guarantees in magic, obviously really enjoy this and I am looking forward to keeping do these. You end up getting to know the person better, which is what the whole purpose of the podcast is. And then all suddenly it's like every tournament now you're scanning the list of people and going, So where is he now? And who's he playing? Yep. It'll be a lot of fun. I got a feeling you'll have a few more people at your next tournament wanting to pay attention to what you do. And again, I really appreciate your time for this. This is another episode of the Meta Magic and I thank again Pat for being on the show and, exactly. and we are signing off.